Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. We truly, um, just a little off topic. Um, I we've think we've talked about this before. No, sorry, never. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So first time for everything. Yep, that's um, right. I think I think my wife thinks anytime we discuss anything we related is off topic to, you know, anything she's interested in. So I guess that's considered off topic. But so everything um, either of us ever have talked about in our lives has been off topic. Off topic is yes, pretty <laughs> that's much. Fa- that's fair. <laughs> you know, come on. So. And you'll never listen, but that's actually the truth. I'm talking to an empty person, empty <laughs> Um, You know, we've we've known each other. It's going to be next month. It's going to be 30 years. Um, actually, no, it's yes. this month. It's going to be 30 years. No, wait, this no, month, it's 30 no, no. years. The 22nd, 22nd of August. No, no, no. We no, didn't no, really meet month. each other until September. No, no, we no, didn't no, really no, meet each on, other until on. September. Hold on. This, no, no. It, it's July right now as we're recording. Mm-hmm. And as this as this episode comes out, yeah, you're right. No, next month, we we absolutely met. That's right. Yeah, thirty years. It was a and dark month. Oh, it was. Ahead. Yeah, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, <laughs> very true, freshman here. Very, <laughs> oh, yes. very true. <laughs> I'm pointing at you. The best of times. Pointing at me. The oh, worst of times. No, I the, think the... I think we both had our ups and downs on that one. That was <sighs> it. Was it was frosh year? We oh, were yeah. not entirely mature yet. No, or no. It took me. No. Took me. It took me another 10, 15, oh, <clears> 20, Excuse me. 20, 25, 30. Twenty-five. So we've known each yeah. other thirty yeah. years, right? right. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so that maybe, being said, maybe more. Yeah. Go, go said, on. Work. Work in progress. Work but, in progress. Right. Um. The funny thing is, is we've always talked about our professional. We t- I've mentioned this yeah. before. Yeah. But it never really crossed. And in some ways, this podcast is the first time. I see where you're going. Mm-hmm. We've we've crossed professionally, and it has yes. been an yeah, it's true. absolute joy to do. And one of the things that has come out of this is. We've always done some recommend. You've done a lot more than me, just because you're much more read than I am, in a lot of areas that are interest are of interest to me that I just never delved into. Um, but we truly do a lot of passing back and forth of recommended materials, even just ideas. I mean, yes. how many times have we exchanged recommendations for topics, Wikipedia pages, links? I mean, you just sent me like three different links yesterday. Oh, you send me. How many times have you sent me? Unexplicitly, because I don't have a subscription yet to Scientific American for for topics we've not even come up with on here. The last one was about bird oh, yeah. song because I'm, you know, I love watch. I'm a yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm such a the issue. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I long segue into the fact that we are now in the second week where last week it was with Travis mm-hmm. Baldry mm-hmm. and Legends and Lattes. Mm-hmm. This title. week was another book that you found. Fantasy you, related. <laughs> yes. And you reached out to the author. I thought, why not? And um, they were willing to join us. And interestingly yeah. about this one is Ben Riggs, who's going to yep. join us shortly. Yeah. Um, is author, author of Slaying the Dragon, which has been out for just less than a week. Fascinating book. Um, he's going to talk guy. about it here. Yeah. Really cool guy. He's from Milwaukee. Yeah. Jason grew up about an hour from, yeah. from Milwaukee. You grew I up grew a few up about, minutes from Milwaukee. <laughs> well, I actually know about a half hour. No, I, know. But, I know. But I've lived here 
Yeah. I've honestly lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Yep. Um, he's going to actually be having a, um, a, a public discussion on the book at one of the libraries in the city. I run it near me. Attend. Yeah, I know. Yes. And I didn't know that until till we interviewed him. Till we interviewed him. So this one is really kind of cool just because there's a local connection for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but you found this book. Well, again, it, it, I don't remember Brad, how it came before me. It was most certainly on online. I don't know if it came from Twitter. I don't know if it came from like a Barnes and Noble email. I mean, it's, you know, this is a, a kind of a, a, a potentially big deal, kind of a neat thing. Like if you read books like of Dyson men and whatnot, and, and like you and I, I mean, you, man, I remember, I remember several years ago coming to visit uh, you and the guys in Milwaukee and you and Brian and I went out on an RPG run and in the car, you got talking about Gary Gygax slash Gigax because that was yeah. the discussion in the car. But yeah. um, and you took me to one of your favorite shops, which is a is a great shop. And, and I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. And um, and we got to talking about you. You like that was when I discovered you had been into role playing when you were a kid, like before I was. And we somehow never talked about it for decades. But then you started dropping all of this history of of D and tsr and gygax and arneson and the others none of which i was familiar with and you really got me intrigued and and from that conversation onward i started reading the very few books that are available that really do a good job of looking into this and so maybe so maybe because of my reading list or whatever so slaying the dragon came up uh and I thought, well, that's, and I saw something about TSR. I'm like, oh, that's kind of specific, but interesting. And so what Ben Riggs has done is, is get access as a school teacher slash historian, very cool, to all of these people and their data, right, from the TSR era, uh, which is a really contentious time and, and place in RPG history. And then when I saw he's a Milwaukee local, he's been all over the world. He'll talk yeah. about that, but, but he's a Milwaukee local. I'm like, Oh, I mean, come on. That hits close to home for both of us. Right. Into RPGs from Milwaukee. Looks like a geek. Check, check, check. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. And he's a man who, who lives in, you know, arguably, in, in the geographical area that started the epicenter, right? The epicenter of mainstream yeah. role playing. So we reached out to him and he was rapidly responsive of, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. And, um, and I think we are so pleased he did. Cause you could, you know, if you haven't been following Ben Riggs on Twitter, <laughs> you need to, oh. because as you'll hear in the interview, he's been, and this is an historian, not a not a scientist. He's been uh, creating spreadsheet graphs. Oh, which and I'm, which you and I are. I like, know we've know. been all. I know, <laughs> and it, it's amazing we haven't even talked about it outside of the interview. But yeah. he's been posting data and sales trends from D and D and TSR eighties to nineties for weeks. Basically, all the things he couldn't get into the book, and it's really interesting and really surprising. And, and listen to how he did it. He's going to talk about how the data can sometimes be hard to find. So, yeah, yeah. and, and he says, right, explicitly, he has no reason. There's no benefit 
to making anything up. He is oh. literally, he is acquiring this data um, anecdotally or empirically yeah. from folks that he will talk about and he won't. Um, yep. And he's putting it together and it's just informational. There's no benefit to putting Clearly it out there. Clearly a labor of love. And you and I, in our own different ways, the term data science mm-hmm. has become mm-hmm. its own thing in the past five to seven years you know i'm a scientist you're in analytics yeah and so we look at it a little differently but we respect the crossover and how important it's become and we are in our own ways in addition to everything else we do we are either you professionally or me amateur data scientists in Mm -hmm. the sense of the word that's now prevalent and what he's posting this is what i was trying to tell him is that he's doing data science right now he's extrapolating and pulling data from all different sources and he's just doing it manually. And the <laughs> yes. other thing that's really cool about Ben is he is an open book with all of this. You don't have to worry. Like he says, we all know what the end, what the outcome of the book is. Right. You know? Right. You know, no, no spoiler alerts here. We yeah, know what happened at TSR. <laughs> and I didn't realize this really until we started. I knew that it was there, but I really didn't get deep into it until we started this podcast. How contentious some of the relationships were yeah and how contentious the opinions and debate is about folks with the tsr and dnd mm. and so and, on. and in the in the book he and he tells us he he attempted to you know be a good historian he related both or however many sides of the story let the reader think about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and go back and we'll, we'll, we'll turn it over to you to 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 start us and introduce but go back and listen to his podcasts his podcast history ben did not come out of if you don't know him you really need to because he did, has not come out of left field ben right. has Pl- been he, a podcast yeah. for a decade yes plot points right what hooked us was when we saw okay not only has he written this book and looked at the data but he he has been talking for a year with others about quote rpgs as literature yeah. I mean, mic drop, which, yeah, which to us, I mean, you know, go ahead. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm take, you know, there's no, I mean, he, we had hashtag take my money before we talked to him when it came oh, to this yeah. book. Um, hopefully if you have any interest in the history of TSR and if you're an yeah. analytics or scientist yeah. or in, you know, me in business or anything, buy the you're book. interested in the numbers. I mean, yeah. seriously, follow him on Twitter, yeah, buy listen the book. to the podcast mm-hmm. and, and, Check him out now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wander over to the interview. Ben Riggs is a writer, teacher, and podcaster. He traveled the world teaching in his 20s. During his journeys, he tutored a princess, saw both the Sahara and Mount Fuji at dawn, and discovered his wife and fellow traveler, Tara. He has settled down in his hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where he teaches English and history, and he and Tara have a son, Simon. Ben's RPG podcast, Plot Points, has been running for the last decade, and his work has appeared on NPR and Geek and Sundry. Slaying the Dragon is his first book. So I'm actually, I know Jason and I are both excited, but I'm very excited uh, to talk with Ben Riggs tonight just because uh, we are both in the same general geographical area. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben has been kind enough to not let us know where he lives. So he won't have any creepy stalker type of things going on with me. Not that I would do that. Love it. Um, 
But Ben, jokes aside, thank you for joining us tonight. We're really excited to talk about the book Mm -hmm. and your background Mm -hmm. and uh, your obviously your involvement in gaming. Hey, it's, yeah. it's, it's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So just before we click record, you were, you were telling us that uh, you are quite busy because as we record, you are days away from your first book, officially legally hitting shelves. When this drops, you'll be just days after, which has got to just be an, an, a wonderful and amazing feeling. Let's start with the book then. Um, what? What, what are you doing right now? We want to know a little bit about the book, of course, uh, that we can't just see online, but but you said you're really busy with things like marketing. We love the, the backstory stuff. Tell us. So uh, one of the cool things about the book, uh, Slaying the Dragon, is secret history of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and the, the reason that I was okay with it being called a secret history is yeah. because I got access to a lot of information that had never fallen under the eye of a journalist or historian before. And one of those things was a, a trove of TSR sales data. Yeah. And uh, again, my, my book is, I think it will appeal to both gamer and general public. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't really a place in my book for, okay, here's just a download Got of it. TSR sales data. So uh, in the lead up to the book, uh, every day or twice a day, I'm just dropping TSR sales numbers. <laughs> on you Twitter. Know, yeah, on Twitter and on Facebook. On oh Twitter, I'm at Ben Riggs underscore. You can friend me on mm-hmm. Facebook. And just every day, it's like sales numbers, sales numbers, sales numbers, sales numbers. I love the um, graphs. Thank you. I, I feel like an amateur making those graphs, but... <laughs> Not at all. Um, oh, they look good. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. Um but uh, it it is it would have been one thing if I just copied everything into a like document and shared it. Yeah, uh, I think that the the making of the charts and making it into something visual is yeah. very helpful. Sadly, right now, every day the chart is kind of the same thing, which is it's sales were good, then they sucked. Sales were good, yes, then they you're sucked. Not kidding. Yeah. And uh, again, a few people have been like, really? Like, I would, I liked Dark Sun in the 90s. Like, it didn't do as well as Forgotten Realms. And I was like, no, it didn't do as well as Forgotten Realms. Um, you know, Ravenloft, which of course has a, a passionate fan base, uh, did one fourth as well as Greyhawk did. Um, and again, for a child of the 90s, you're like, really? But, but, and the reason for that is that DD was just so big in the 80s, um, bef- pre 1984 that so many units of Greyhawk were able to be moved in that hot period that later on, uh, almost nothing could compete with what was banked in the early eighties, as far as sales went. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that uh, <laughs> this started as a like, okay, I'm going to get the data out there. But when I started, I didn't really consider uh, how what, what the time investment would be on my part. And it's actually, a, a, again, it's like an hour a day. <laughs> um, so Again, I'm saying I'm going to say I'm spending four to five hours a day just doing marketing right now because it's, wow. you know, an hour, I think I have an interview a day for the next few weeks. Uh, oh, man. I'm, I'm again, an hour of day is spent on uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, and then an hour on email. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just there's other stuff to arrange, yeah. uh, put, book, book, book launch parties and whatnot. So I am, I am very, very, very busy, um, busier than I was expecting, but I'm a teacher and it's summer. So thank God it's falling in July. Awesome. This wasn't very like, good. you know, yes. May. Yeah. Well-timed. <laughs> yeah. Most Man. certainly, sir. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, it's like we were saying before 
we started recording, it's a great problem or set of problems to have. I mean, you're days away from having that book, just hopefully everywhere. Um, I mean, we, we, I'm eagerly awaiting my copy. I, I know I, I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, once in a while, like Amazon, normally I don't order books through Amazon. I try not to, but it's like, what's the fastest way I can get this book? Mm-hmm. And cause my, my local indie store, they, they carry, you know, they, it's, it's little, they're, they are a phenomenal store, but they carry almost nothing gaming wise uh, because, because you just, they have a little section out, but they just can't afford it. It's just, it, they, they can't move enough of it. That's not their, their chief clientele. Um, and, and I just thought, well, maybe, maybe they'll ship, maybe Amazon will ship early, like once in a while, if it's a major release, they'll ship the day before. So you get it on release day, you know, but I mean, it, it comes when it comes. So let me just back up for a sec to connect some dots or at least try to this notion well, okay, let me let me for, for listeners who don't know. So you've been you've been hosting a podcast. You've been hosting a, a, an analysis of RPGs as literature for is it's just shy of a decade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I keep trying to get out our like 243rd episode. Oh my god. Um, and it's it's evolved a lot over time. I would yep. say the first like nine years were uh, we would try and do a deep dive on a role playing game product, whether it was whether it was an adventure or a game. Um, and after uh, nine years, the pandemic happened and I had a kid. And mm-hmm. again, our, our added value in the podcast was always we actually read it and right. actually form opinions on it. Right. Um and if, if if I suddenly had infinite time, I would also say, and we should also actually play it, play it now. That would be right. the other thing I would add mm-hmm, in there after mm-hmm. nine years is it's a little unfair to only do an RPG review based on reading. But um, even, even just reading uh, a role playing game a month uh, plus recording, suddenly having a kid meant that 10 to 12 hours just wasn't there anymore. So for the past year, I've been reading the Dungeon Master's Guide Aloud with an RPG academic named Scott Bruner. Um, we've gotten out 23 episodes, and we're about 24 pages into the, into the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, but it, it is a, it is a really awesome. interesting... Uh, it, it's really interesting because, again, I, I have history to talk about, and he has theory to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and his dissertation to talk about. And we're kind of in conversation with Gary Gygax's words. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. upside for me is um, instead of like 10 to 12 hours, that's like two hours. Like it's an hour to talk and then maybe an hour to edit and post yeah. it up and get yeah. Patreon and all that. So our audience still seems to like it. We've, we've gotten an awful lot of positive feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, if, if you find me amusing, uh, and you like my book and you're like, you know, I'd really like more Ben Riggs. There are hundreds of hours of me of me talking yeah. out there on the internets. So uh, go forth, young, young person and and follow. I think Did that answer your I, question. Oh, yeah, 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 it really it, I've, I've got more, but I, we'll come back. Yeah, that definitely answered my question. Yeah, I think I think that resonates just because Jason, yep, I like exactly. to we don't do reviews as much as we kind of talk mm-hmm. about mechanics and so on. But we also will read and we I like to just show. read. Yeah, we just like to read the material. Mm-hmm. And I have bought material um, that we have. It's not on our radar to play right now, but still. Just like reading it. Love to read and love mm-hmm. to learn the mechanics and everything like that. So, But I, I'm, I, I think we're both curious. 
what was the genesis yeah. of of looking at RPGs as literature? Like you don't have to convince the two of us that when we saw that that just resonated deeply, like wonderfully. But but especially a decade ago, um, it, you know, it's not like we were in the in the golden age again of role playing. So uh, this is interesting. <clears throat> so uh, I would say that 10 years ago, I was trying to find language to dis- to describe what I saw happening at role-playing game tables, mm-hmm. which was, again, people getting so deeply engaged mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. game and absorbed by the moment. And a thing I always say is, like, when game is good, it makes the rest of life better. Um, it's, it's like a, a, a good four-hour session um doesn't just improve your day it like improves your week uh, and you have a whole week to think about what you're going to do next mm-hmm. session mm-hmm. and then uh it, it's uh a, a transformative artistic experience and 10 years ago i was like okay how do we say that how do we say that how do we say that and i was like role-playing games are literature that's our slogan we're going to go with it uh i would say after a few years I, I, I kind of came to the conclusion that so there there is a literature of role-playing games and role-playing games when you're playing them do are, are literary they have aspects of literature in them mm-hmm. but I'm like actually when you're playing a role-playing game it's not literature it's it's a new performing art is what I would say nowadays sure. um and and it's one of the reasons that I you know I'm like, if I was going to go and, and uh, you know, redo the podcast, knowing what I know now, I'd be like, A, we need to play everything. Uh, B, I'd need to find a, a slightly tweaked slogan. Uh, and I think I, I finally settled after a few years on we take role playing games seriously um, was kind of where I landed. Uh, but uh, I, I am very passionate about the idea that role playing games are a radical new medium and we have not fully absorbed the consequences of them in our culture yet and uh last year wizards said what that that 50 million people had experienced uh dungeons and dragons right um even if that's 50 percent marketing bs and it's 25 million people right. uh that is exponential growth if you were to ask like a, a couple other historians and i kind of put our noggins together and we were like before 1999 like before third edition how many people did we think had played D&D and we were like 2 million people. That would be our guess is, okay. is 2 million people played D&D before 1999. If you take that wizard's number and cut it in half, that's exponential growth in 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, and, and so many people, um, when they sit down to play for the first time, just have this, this awesome experience that keeps bringing them back. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm a teacher by day and I, I keep telling this anecdote because to me, it's earth shattering and to other people, I'm sure it's just their everyday situation. I walk into the teacher's lounge in like October this year and the room is full of women under 30 talking about their D&D campaigns. Wow. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> See, <laughs> like right. I, you know, I knew we were diversifying, but holy crap, like yeah. everybody every and again no and it, it was not like they were not like all our boyfriends are dragging us along it was mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know i've run a campaign i've run a campaign i've run one campaign but i'd really like to run some more um which again is is such a sea change um and it's wonderful because you want to see something that you think is unique and transformative being being widely adopted um 
but when I when I say that it's a radical new medium, we haven't fully absorbed its uh, consequences yet. That's kind of what I mean. Um, when it moves out of you know uh, white dudes in the Midwest like us, mm-hmm. uh, what's going to mm-hmm. happen to the medium? Because it's going to change. It's probably going to be exciting Al- for it. Already changing. So, there, boy, there's so many places to go with that. Um, writing a book, especially like the one you wrote, that's a massive undertaking, especially if you have a day job and a child. So what motivated you to do that? I mean, what flipped the switch to say, well, yeah, this is sufficiently interesting. I'm all in. I I would say the story demanded to be written. Um, This started out as one article for Geek and Sundry. It was, hey, um, everybody who's a millennial out there, did you know Dungeons and Dragons wasn't always made by Wizards of the Coast? Mm-hmm. And, and that was supposed to be the article. And because I mm-hmm. was in Wisconsin and knew some old hands from TSR, I got the mm-hmm. gig. And I'm like, oh, and I know this story. This is great. You know, it was killed by wizards. Done. And then I start uh, going to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I begin to learn things that I, I never had an inkling of. Uh, I talked to people. And again, a lot of the people who'd been talked to about it in the past had been creatives. Because mm-hmm. you know they're the people at the conventions is the yep. are the authors and game designers who went on to continue writing and being game designers. Yep. But as far as I know, nobody before me went and talked to the business side and marketing and sales, and they told me stuff that made my eyes roll into the back of my head. And uh, <laughs> then pe- and people started sending me stuff. Um, you know, when Peter Atkinson was buying TSR, he had a prep binder and he at some point just left his prep binder in Lake Geneva with all his stuff in it. And a TSR employee picked it up and sent it to me 25 years later. Wow. Um, wow. I know. Oh, my God. So so when I say that the story demanded to be written, that's, yeah. that's the kind of stuff where you're I'm just getting this material that, that no one has seen mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the prep binder has letters from D&D co-creator Dave Arneson to Peter Adkison begging to be put in charge of TSR in the spring of 1997. He's like, hey, you know, I've been out forever, Peter. You know, you, 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 you love me, right? I'm the co-creator of D&D. Put me in charge of TSR. Please, Peter, please. And, um, as far as I know, Peter Atticus does not reply. I've talked to him about this and he's like, I remember that happening. I don't really remember what my reply was. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, less than two weeks later, Dave Arneson writes a second letter being like, so I, I noticed you haven't replied to my first letter. I'm writing a second letter asking to be put in charge of TSR. And here's all my ideas yeah. Man. <laughs> wow. for, for how I would run TSR. Um, so you know when you get something like that mm-hmm. and uh you're like you know like again peter atkinson said he remembered it but he you know i assume that he did not photocopy these letters he didn't right. have them anymore right um when you when you get stuff like that you're just like well i, I guess we're gonna write about this today that's that's pretty what, cool what's been the most fascinating and obviously you've been you've been involved in a lot of the the kind of the deep analytics of things for quite a while. 
but even producing the book and writing the book and all the work you're doing now and in pre-release, what's been kind of the most fascinating piece to this that you didn't necessarily expect? I know this is kind of like a weird question Mm -hmm. um, that came out of all the research Mm -hmm. in that when you were writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Without giving away the, I don't, people need to buy the book to hear the whole story. Yeah. But, but again, I I really don't hold anything back in interviews because I have had a few people in publishing say, you know, hey, like, don't don't say your best stuff in interviews. And I'm like, I don't think that that's the way gamers work. Yeah, you know, that's right. Like we 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 want the whole story. We want the mm-hmm. whole thing. Like, you know, I, I feel like I don't need to be like, well, I'm just going to tease the ending, but you have to buy the book. Like, I feel like I could tell you the ending because uh, we all know it. <laughs> um, and we're not going to be like, what happens to TSR? I just don't <laughs> right. know. But I, I feel like it, it's the uh, otaku urge to to just totally assimilate knowledge that works in my favor here. So I just feel like I don't have to hold things back. So I'm not, I'm not going to hold anything back. That said, so what surprised me the most? Um, I'm going to even make it more nebulous and say, sure. okay, it could be something related to the research you did, or it could be even the experience you had yourself writing this. So now I've completely opened it up. It could be some facts. Well, now, now I have two answers. Okay, um, better, cool. better, be better. Let me write down my second one before I forget. All right. But my first answer would be, um, I, I was into D&D in the early 90s. Um, I was like 12, 13 years old. And this was, you know, the second edition of Lorraine Williams era of TSR. The thing that surprised me the most while writing the book was, to to me, everyone at TSR looked not only like adults in the room, but like geniuses in the room. They looked like they knew exactly what they were doing, exactly where they were going, like they had a plan, like they just had it together. Um, And at least on the business side uh, that really turned out not to be true. Um, There was a lot of like flying by the seat of the pants or what seems like flying by the seat of the pants, a lot of short-term thinking. Um, As I mentioned earlier, uh, sales kept dropping and it's clear that management noticed that because management kept trying to do things to branch out, expand, bring in new people. And yet they never succeeded in any of those endeavors. And yet, yet the endeavors themselves, like on paper, you're like, oh, it's not so bad. Like they tried to start a comic book company in the early nineties when, when like, you know, comics were super hot and exploding. Mm -hmm. uh, And they could, they, they got a loan from a bank to start a comic book company because that was how reliable it was seen. Uh, But they irritated DC comics in the process of doing it. DC Comics then ended all of their D&D lines, just oh, killing right. them off. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. comic book company never took off because right. comics are, of course, really, really difficult to make. And they were only really in the business for a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start out with a, a good idea, which is sales are falling. We should try and expand our business so that we, like, can survive. <laughs> um and yet the ex- in, the, in the execution of that, they made a bunch of boneheaded decisions uh, and they ended up worse off than they were in the first place. Um, 
they were like, hey, we're going to make a beginner product with a videotape in it. Again, especially from the perspective of 2022, when like so many people have learned <laughs> to play by watching YouTube, yeah. you're like, hey, that seems like a really good idea. But then they make that videotape without really consulting the people writing the rules in Lake Geneva. And it's more of a pilot for a TV show than <laughs> really explaining the wow. rules. So they, they make this hideously expensive uh film in california um and then uh it doesn't do what they wanted they wanted to do uh worse yet i had someone in marketing tell me that there's no way they incorporated the price of the videotape into the price of the product like they sold the product at a loss um and uh it sold 150,000 copies uh, which you're like, okay, that's not so bad. Uh, but then after that, I want to say, again, I'm, I'm pulling numbers a little bit out of my butt here, but the numbers are in the book. Uh, but the CEO, Lorraine Williams, insists on reprinting 200,000 more. Oh, man. Um, which, again, if, if you know anything about sales, usually you never have a product that does as well as it did when first released. Um, but she was like, no, it's going to do really, 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 really well. And it never did. Um, and they ended up selling those like 200,000 for a buck a copy. So again, you have wow. this like de- this decent idea of like, hey, we're going to, we need new players. We're going to include a videotape. No. But uh, the, 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 the process of, of trying to make that succeed gets so botched that they end up worse off than they were before. They mm-hmm. uh, decided to make AD&D second edition CD-ROM rules. They essentially financed a startup in Madison called Evermore Entertainment mm. uh, to make the, the AD&D CD-ROM core rules. But then, uh, I shouldn't say but then, yeah. <laughs> Sales manages to get babbages to agree to buy either 10,000 or 30,000 copies of the CD-ROM rules. And again, you you hear this from the from the point of view of 2022 when we have so many PDFs. Again, this seems really smart, right? Um they get babbages to buy thousands of copies, then babbages goes bankrupt. And if those copies are sent to babbages, they will all hit the floor at a huge discount because yeah. they're going bankrupt yeah. um, and anybody who wants a copy will go there and get them uh, really, really cheap and it will destroy the market for any follow-up products. And uh, a, a vice president of sales went to CEO Lorraine Williams to beg her not to ship that product to Babbage's. Uh, but because she had decided to use an arcane financial instrument called factoring to, to kind of... Uh, uh, get a lump sum sum of money at the beginning of the year. I don't want to explain factoring because I feel like it would take five minutes and bore people. But just know that she had a contractual obligation then to send those to Babbage's unless she could like, you know, uh, I think pay a fee or something. And TSR was so strapped for cash, she didn't have the money. So the product gets sent to, gets sent to Babbage's and it destroys the category. Um, everyone is like, oh, no one will buy these things because, you know, like Babbage's was out there with thousands of copies selling them at a bargain rate. So the that kind of bungled execution again and again and again. Yeah. Uh, one guy told me that TSR died a death of a thousand cuts. That surprised me i'm I'm like man how can they just make these bad decisions again and again and again and again and they do um 
the thing that surprised me the most in the course of writing it was how willing almost everyone was was to talk how willing everyone was to tell me their truth um like people kind of weren't afraid to get out the long knives um okay and uh again like i i tend to give both sides of stories Mm -hmm. um like briefly uh ra salvatore claims that he was essentially driven from tsr um one of the vice presidents uh, at TSR told me, no, 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 that's not what happened at all. Bob mm-hmm. Salvatore signed a th- uh, exclusive deal with Warner Books, and uh, uh, he wanted us not to write any Driss Erden novels while he was fulfilling that contract. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, we're going to do it. Uh, so again, like I, I put both versions mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that story in there. But the fact that people were so frank and so willing to tell me their point of view and what happened is fantastic like uh i uh, this didn't make it in the book because i just didn't have enough space but i i wrote like i think twenty thousand words on the creation of third edition and i i expected to interview everyone in the third edition edition team and everyone to be like we are all geniuses and it was amazing and that is not the story they told me they were like let us tell you about the backstabbing and Machiavellian plotting that that was behind the oh. creation of third edition. And I'm like, okay, I have a seed for book two. This is great. Thanks, guys. Are you planning? Are, is, uh, yeah, is your thought process? Sorry, you, you taught you tease me. Yeah, is your right. thought process doing something else at some point? So I, I will say this. I think I can say this. I'm just gonna say it. Um a remarkable a remarkable event occurred on Monday. And uh, my editor at St. Martin's Press, which is owned by Macmillan, one of the big four remaining publishers. Yeah. Uh, my editor at St. Martin's Press called me because he wanted to talk about a, a the next book. And he was like, I would like another book on role playing games. I would like another book on a like, you know, a, a recognizable role playing game name. And, you know, yeah. if you just continue forward and tell the story, you know, I'd be interested in that. And I really thought to myself, hey, in my life, it's interesting that I'm now in a place where New York editors are calling me to yeah, talk good to on me you. about my next yeah. book. That's awesome. um, but also from a from a wider point of view, because um, they won't tell me how sales are doing for months and months and months yet. But okay. I'm like, sales must be OK if before the book comes out, yeah. they want to talk about the next book. Yeah, um, this cannot be. it does not seem like this is uh uh gonna be a a a failure (laughs) i was Mm -hmm. trying to find a better word there we go Mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. you know i'm cursing by even bringing the word into the conversation (laughs) um so uh while i have some ideas and some things written already i'm really focused on marketing right now but the fact that they want another book i'm like that's outstanding fantastic and again hopefully it hopefully just opens the door for for more product like this Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. because there's way more story to tell than i can um and and hopefully it just motivates other people to go out there and do geek journalism and write books that's great geek geek journalism i love that there it is yep that you gotta you i trademark that there we go i got it (laughs) (laughs) i just one more for me because I want to yeah. be cognizant of time. Yeah. Obviously, with everything going on, I have to suspect that it's difficult to get any gaming in right now. That is fully accurate. Okay. Yeah. If you had time, 
you know, obviously it sounds like you have some experience with D&D, so you play that. Is there anything else that, you know, from your experience in looking at gaming games from a literature standpoint and everything like that, that you would have dived, that you would love to dive into at some point, oh, maybe when the kid's older or? Um, much like you guys, I'm sure, uh, my career reviewing games has, has produced a gaming library that's quite extensive. Um in a platonic perfect world, I'm gonna say RuneQuest or the mm. One Ring Second Edition. See, um, see, we've been talking about these. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's holding <laughs> nice. up One Ring. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah. One One Ring, like I uh, I read it. I want to say in January, and it inspired me to go back and reread the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh wow! Which um, I tried reading it right before the pandemic and I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I've grown beyond this, but man, it is a, it is a trilogy for terrible times. <laughs> like the, the, the awfulness of the past few years yeah. really uh, brought Lord of the Rings home to me. Um, and the last few, like, I, I'm going to say I hadn't read it for 15 years, but before that I probably read it like once every two years. And when I was younger, I was all about like Gondor and the battles and oh, there's mm-hmm. elephants and there's, you know, mm-hmm. the, the tactics of, of, of Gandalf, blah, 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 blah. This time I'm all about Sam, Frodo and Gollum. I am like, yes, I'm on an impossible journey that will probably end in failure. And one of the two people on the journey with me would like to eat my face. That speaks to my life experience. <laughs> 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 I think that's just the perfect place to end it. I, I don't know where else we can go. We can really. I go. do, but I don't think we have the time. And I, I mean, and, I booked an hour, so if you guys want to go to a quarter after, I don't mind. Go for it, Brad. Yeah, I. So okay, yeah, One Ring. I would. I. I am like you. I actually have my copy. I have the, the Jason. I've talked about this. The single tone paperback of of the Lord of the Rings that I want to hit. Um, mm-hmm. From your, uh, so I know some of this just because I, I did some reading and all that as part of the launch of this book, because I'm fascinated also as well as this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. First time for you doing a big type of book with a release like this. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you're obviously going to start doing some, whether they're virtual or real life type of press type of junkets or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, open forums or anything like that. I saw one here in the city in Milwaukee where we are Very cool. um, that um, that is now on my calendar. Um, There's but, one at Bos- Boswell's on Tuesday as well. Oh, here, just oh Jason, bookstore. <laughs> Jason loves, but Bo- I, I mean, pre Boswell's is when I frequented it, but great. Schwartz's. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 We could see, we could talk. Jason and I were a big fan of Autobahn Corp books, which was often oh, brown deer. Oh, yeah. I remember Autobahn Corp. Oh, books, there yeah. it is. Look see. at that. See, yeah. I, uh, um, I, the data you've been putting out on mm-hmm. Twitter has mm-hmm. been Jason and I are kind of data nerds just based off of the work we do outside of this. Um, so it's really tickled the data bone, um, looking at these graphs and things like that. Um, what type of feedback are you getting from folks when you put these out there? Is it, is it resonate? I have to imagine it's resonating because you're continuing to do it. Um, I, I would say there's three categories of response. There is so, something akin to, to awe. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, finally getting hard data about something that you kind of care passionately about. Um, There is a little bit of disbelief again of like, but I love Ravenloft so much. Um, And uh, again, because TSR didn't tell creatives how things sold which yeah. i've also been told is normal in the role-playing game industry except apparently at wizards like at, uh at least wizards 20 years ago apparently they were told about sales numbers um but tsr wouldn't tell people how things sold so creators were creators were often left with just impressions like bruce yeah. nesmith one of the creators of ravenloft was told that Ravenloft just sold and sold and sold and sold and sold and sold and sold, but it didn't. Um, and again, he's he's Ravenloft is amazing. He's a genius. He was the lead desi- designer of Skyrim, which brought in more money in its first week of release than TSR made in its most successful year ever. Yes. Um, so, like you know, clearly there's solid material there with Bruce yeah. Nesmith. Um, And and there is disbelief from people being like, really? Ravenloft only sold like 50,000 copies in its first year and Forgotten Realms did like 150,000 copies in its first year? Oh my god. And then there are some people who are like, you know, uh, so what's your source on this? And I'm like, well, my source is anonymous. They don't, they just don't want their name brought up for this and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but (laughs) if you don't believe me, well, uh, there's things I don't have and frankly, the fact that I there's things I don't have is probably the best evidence that I'm not just like, you know, blowing smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first two responses are very, are the most prominent, you know, and I can understand someone being like, Hey, what's your source on this dude? Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense to me. And I, I wish I knew how many copies of like the original I six adventure Ravenloft were sold. Cause that'd be fascinating data, but I just have almost no adventure data. That's like the big, that and novels are the big gap in the data i was sent um yeah. hmm. i know when you were when you posted on twitter too i also noticed you had a picture from um i'm yeah from one of the chronicles Dragonlance chronicles covers and i've been telling jason i've been telling jason about chronicles for a long time in fact i yeah, jason yeah. knows this now i've hijacked um some of the content from that into a I guess for lack of a better term, epic world building adventure that he nice. and I did. So yeah, yeah, Ray, yeah we know Ray Raslin and Cameron no and Tannis have all been reincarnated just under different names. And since Jason <laughs> hasn't read it yet, I can say that he won't know what That's, I'm talking about. I know I still don't. Maybe I'll read nice. it this weekend. So yeah. so they never got, they never really truly were, you know, are you talking like with the chronicles and with those type of books that they never really handed out those numbers to so it, like uh the fiction authors usually had uh, royalties in their contracts. Mm-hmm. So fiction authors individually could figure out how things were selling, but because it's decades on and again, that'd be like pay stubs, right? Like, you know, almost right. none of the fiction authors had those pay stubs around. Um, oddly though, I have, I think literally all the data for dark sun. Um, I think I have every dark sun release sales number. <laughs> from the 90s so that that'll be at least we have one deep dive coming up where i can be like well here's a line where i have everything um and again like one of the interesting statistics from looking at dark sun as a whole is if you take every gaming release from the first year of dark sun if you take the setting and i think they had two to three adventure releases in the first year and just had a pile of those 
and they had one novel release in the first year. The one novel sold more copies than all the gaming stuff combined. Um, and uh, wow. again, it's it's a it's a thing that we don't often really focus on with CSR, but the novels were like half the business. Um, so I do spend a fair amount of time on the novel department in my book, and uh, I I got some I got some numbers from TSR marketing materials. Again, you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt, but you know, at one point they claimed to be the biggest publisher of fantasy fiction in North America. I want to say they said they were like. 2 million Dragonlance novels sold and a million Forgotten Realms novels sold by 1990. You know, crazy stuff like that. I mean, those are, those are some big numbers. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that is the gap in my data. Which, Sorry, I started, you asked me about reactions of people and I've rambled off into No, 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 fields. this is great. This is great. I, I'm just fast. I am, the more you, t- like you just said before, you know, um, I, am, I am one of the few that this is, that I'm one of the many, the few, the many, um, where I love knowing, and Jason knows this, I love knowing the ending before I read the rest of the material. So <laughs> I don't mind that. Um, and I have to imagine, like you said, there are a lot of people out there that are going to be the same way. And I imagine there's going to be a lot of folks that, and I'm one of the folks, I'm a little bit older. I remember getting red box D and D in 84 as a, um, as a 10 year old. So I didn't have anyone to play with, but i manufactured a way to play with myself with, with, playing cards and so on Mm -hmm. so i am one of these people many people that are going to be fascinated by this history um oh yeah my last my last curiosity question um is obviously just with the podcast and now this book you know i have to imagine in many ways now you are one of the more especially in like the twitterverse where we, we see it firsthand you are now kind of the rpg historian um is there another um, area we talked about a second book and maybe I didn't, again, you can, you can cut me if you need to, but is there another area that you would love to get more information about, whether it's write about or delve into research blog post? Um, I would say that the, the question is if I can do a book that's not about D and D and wizards. Um, I, again, I'd love to do one on Chaosium. Uh, I would love to do one on White Wolf. Um, and uh, I, I feel like those are all really epic tales. Um, and again, maybe I just need to start writing it um, and see where we go. But those are the two like game universe things. I shouldn't say game universe. Um, role-playing game universe things. Uh, that I'm, I'm interested in. Outside of that, I've just decided to start interviewing interesting people I know and see mm-hmm. if something comes up. I'm like, yeah, like I have I have a friend who uh, every summer she goes to Old Devo- Old Devi Gorge to look for hominid skulls. Oh, wow. uh, she's she's a geology oh. professor, and I'm like, you you might be the most interesting person I know. Seriously. Um, and uh, let's let's just talk. Maybe there's a story here somewhere. Uh, I have a friend who was a, a nurse in Iraq for a year during the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked in the burn ward. Um, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, you know, do, do you have any stories? Is there anything that uh, we could talk about? Again, I don't know if there's a book there or not, but I've just decided to start interviewing people and seeing if, if something's there. That's really cool. When you uh, and 
this, I keep saying my final question, but you, more keep popping up as you talk. And when you went to school, obviously you went to school, correct me if I'm wrong, for education. Um, you now have parlayed this into journalism and writing. Um, did you ever think that was going to be what was happening? So I, I went to school initially for uh, English and history and got a minor in Japanese. Okay. I went off to Egypt and taught in Egypt for two years because cool. uh, my faculty advisor in university was Miss Egypt 1952. And she oh, retired oh, to wow. Egypt just when I was graduating. Uh, and she ended up doing a bad job staying retired and started running the English division of an Egyptian high school. And she needed English speakers to come teach. Yeah, so I went to Egypt and I taught there. Um, that led to Japan. I followed a girl from Egypt to Japan, but when, by the time I got to Japan, she got a new boyfriend, but her best friend is now my wife. Um, oh. And because she's Canadian, uh, to, to wait for the visa to clear, we moved to China for a year. So we did a year in China, and then we kind of settled back here in 2008, um, just oh. in time for the recession. I could, I could not find a job to save my life in the, the fall of 2008 during yeah. the recession. Yeah. So I ended up doing childcare which, you know, that's fine. But I certainly did the math and I'm like, you know, I drop the kids off at school and I pick the kids up at the end of the day and the teacher, I see the teachers leave and come like, clearly I should just be a teacher. So then I went and I got my master's in teaching. Uh, and now I nice. teach seventh, seventh and eighth grade, everything that doesn't have numbers. That's cool. Um, yeah. It, you Nothing never with could... numbers, but you, you're, you're spitting out numbers yeah. regularly. I, ironically. Yes. And I'm terrified about that fact. I'm like, <laughs> this is, not my forte but i figure all i'm doing is copying numbers from tsr sales charts and then putting them into you know graphs yeah. so i'm like there's not much i don't think there's much room there for me to mess it up because there's no addition subtraction or multiplication uh yeah. but i do worry about that <laughs> i think you'll find that that the readers are far gentler than middle schoolers yeah and, and you'll and, and if and i think you could probably take you could probably put numbers now back in a strength category just based off of the information because yeah. you got jason and i glued to it um, oh yeah ben so, thanks so much for the time yeah. um i will probably give you a nod at the at the the one we talked about the um the tippy canoe appearance yeah, yeah the tippy canoe great. appearance great um assuming i'm I'm COVID free and everything, which I should be. Yes. Excellent. Then, um, I will definitely do that. But thank you so much for the time with us. Yeah. Uh, we both have it pre-ordered. Love really to have you back. To have um, you know, down the road so that we can talk about how the book went. Um, and then maybe give us some non, you know, acceptable teasers as to what may be on your plate. Right. Yeah, non-spoiled non teasers. There we go. Thank you, Jace. That'd be my pleasure. Uh, I'm glad to come on anytime. I guess I'll say one more time. And again, the book is uh, yes. Slaying the Dragon, A Secret History of Dungeons and Dragons by me, Ben Riggs. It should be available anywhere. Uh, your, I, I know that some gaming stores are going to have it, and I'm sure that your friendly local bookstores, except maybe for yours, Jason, uh, should have it as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks yep, so much, Ben, and congratulations. Best yeah, of luck. Thank with you luck. so much. Thank you. Here, fingers and toes. You got it. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, I can tell you what's going to be on the GM corner for me here um, in, in relatively the short order. Yeah. yeah, it will be um, our discussion of um, the book, including my autographed copy. And I say that seriously. Because I will be going on the 26th. Unless, oh, yeah, that's neat. Unless something happens, I, I, I would love to, to meet him 
Um, and it's so close to my house. Um, for those of you who happen to be listening and are in Milwaukee, um, Tippecanoe Library off of 39th and Lincoln here in Milwaukee, um, easy to get to. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be listening to this and are interested in going or something like that, shoot us a DM mm-hmm. on Twitter, mm-hmm. Dyson Mind, or um, send us an email, the guys um, yeah. at DysonMind.com. Yep. And and go to go to at, oh, at, at gmail.com. We've we've Yes. And what is the other well, one? They'll, they'll both work. They'll, yeah, they'll they'll both I mean, work. You'll find yeah. us, but yeah. also in the, check out the show notes and, and check out Ben Riggs's pages so that you can keep up to date, especially yeah. if you're in the area or the region with his, with his, his, you know, speaking engagements, right. He's so, done the entire community of service. Yeah. And so obviously you and I'll be talking about that book in future GM yeah. corners, but yeah. what about um, this one? Last week, last week I hijacked the GM corner talking about, the one ring, which I'm not going to do this week because we're going <laughs> to, we need time to digest it. We'll save but it. What's, yep. But what's, uh, what's, what's been on the docket for you? For me, I've, I've gone back to some older material, but for you, what have you been doing? Well, it, it, thanks for asking to, you know, in, in, in continuing with our uh, high fantasy theme, um, I mean, not intentionally, but I had, um, I had an hour or so yesterday to wander around a bookstore. I, I just went to the local Barnes and Noble. I, I, I had some time when I was in the office between classes and and I came across R.A. Salvatore's books. Yes. Just a just a yep, just you had told me about them. And of course I was aware of them, but you had somewhat demystified them for me, the the story and whatnot, um months ago. And um and then actually after picking up this book, I then this morning I was watching the two minute video on YouTube that came out of wizards D with Benedict Cumberbatch. I forgot it was him. Benedict Cumberbatch yes. narrating this, this biography of, of Dritz. Um, and so I actually, yes, I know I'm late to the party. Uh, Cause I think it came out in like 1990. I picked up, uh, I picked up Homeland, the very first of 30 some odd novels in the, I'm going to call it the Dritzt series, the 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 Drow, the Dark Elf, created by R. A. Salvatore. It is not my normal reading. Uh, again, I'm not. I'm. I. I like playing in high fantasy. I like watching high fantasy. I've never been a fantasy reader, but after reading Travis Baldry's Lattes and Legends, or Legends and Lattes, excuse me, um, I. I just kind of wanted some more fantasy, high fantasy. And so, like I said, I had about an hour in a bookstore and I thought, let me just wander over to sci-fi. Let me wander over to fantasy. So I was looking at all the Star Trek. I was looking at all the Star Wars. I always check to see what they still have from Asimov and Bova. And then I wander over to fantasy and I saw they had some of his earliest, some of Salvatore's earliest work, some of his most recent work around the character Dritzt. And I thought, you know what? This is a lovely paperback. Been a while since I've picked up a mass market paperback. And it looks like a, I've read a few pages and I thought, all right, I'm in. And, um, and so that's what I've been reading. What's, uh, what's on your desk, Brad? I'm just, I was just, um, it's funny that, cause you, you blindsided me a little bit. With, <laughs> Out of the blue, I know. Yeah. With this one. And so, um, I haven't read um, some of uh, Salvatore's work in, in a while, just because there's been other stuff going on. But yeah. once you did that, I'm like, 
oh, I'm going to swear we'll make it we'll put me damn it now I've got something else that is going to end up on my play <laughs> and I still find it I still find it fascinating that and then I'll talk about mine quick yeah um you never let me no, I shouldn't say that very seldomly will you pick up not our fictionalized works in other than it just being kind of interdispersed periodically amongst a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. You are the one that turned me on to reading a lot of nonfiction. And other than my RPG shelf. That's and, what your shelf is. Yeah. My shelf is most of my work is um, of a couple genres. Yep. Mostly nonfiction. Mostly nonfiction. Absolutely. And that was from our time at, well, time over the years, talking yeah. about books and everything, our time at bookstores. Absolutely. Where yep. I used to gravitate toward the fiction, you'd gravitate toward yep. non. Yep. And I found lots of nonfiction work. But that yeah. being said, I really <laughs> fell into the D&D you know, realm of reading with Ari Salvatore and with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Right. Um, so... Um, Darn it if I'm not going to have to start looking on my shelf because I do have some of right. Mr. Salvatore's works on my shelf. Yeah, you for do. me, I, I indicated this last week. Um, for And it really, to be quite honest with you, was from Ben talking about RPGs as literature. Yeah. And in my head, core rule books as literature. So Agreed. I started thinking about mm-hmm. what are the coolest, in my personal opinion, uh-huh. some of the coolest RPGs that look like literature in terms of their presentation and their aesthetic Uh, yeah and the material and yeah i I teased you with this i'm really curious now yeah you know so for me i took off the shelf and have on my near my reading chair um i have the second edition torchbearer yeah you've been talking about this and i have the burning wheel again yep we still have to get into that and you know again uh, there is a vast, I and I don't mean this in a negative way, but there's a very polarized opinion as to as to Burning Wheel. Some people absolutely adore it. Okay. Some people just can't handle it because of, and I don't mean that as a knock on them. It's just so different. Yep. Yep. But I did pick up. It hasn't arrived yet. Um, ironically, from up north, a used copy of First Edition Torchbearer. Okay. And I'm reading second edition now. I've started reading um, the Dungeoneer's Handbook. And um, I have the first edition I'm going to look at. And then I'm going to go and read Burning Wheel from cover to cover. Oh, that's a commitment. As literature. The challenge I'll have is, is that I'm in the midst of this is this is sad because this tells you where my attention span issues are. I can keep attention and I can read multiple books of multiple books parallel, yeah, not necessarily no, simultaneously. No, no, yep. But I have um, Legends and Lattes that I'm reading. Yep, um, I'm reading that on my Kindle. Um, I have the printed version of um, Beth Ball's trilogy that I'm going through now. I'm halfway through nice. book one. Nice. And I just talked about how I'm going to have to, at some point, add Ari Salvatore back into the mix. Yep. And now I've got, um, I'm committing to reading through the 
Burning Wheel series. So that includes the the family is Burning Wheel, Torchbearer, um, and then Dungeon World is a derivative of it as well. So everybody Um, will, from now on, it'll just be me on this podcast. We'll see Brad between December and January when he comes out of his reading hole. (laughs) And and believe it or or not, I actually, this is one of the things, I actually took classes, believe it, Jason's going to laugh at this. They had... I've always been able to do that is read, be able to read and keep up with multiple books. That's just how I operate. Maybe it was a function of attention span issues. Although, you know, it's you though. I can, I can see that it's, it's me. Yep. Um, But I took courses our freshman year college that they offered off of uh, Baldridge reading courses, speed reading, multi-book reading. Oh yeah. I remember talking about that for last year. Yes. Oh my I, God. I took those courses. I remember. I still that. remember it. Yeah. I have vivid memories of those because it was a, a woman who came in who wasn't a Ripon professor. I guess uh, I just gave away where we went. To college, I don't but... think I have thought about those discussions since the late 90s. Oh yeah. And it and is. I didn't until I didn't think about it until last week when I'm like, how am I able to keep up with this and read parallel? Um, and it's just something I've been able to do. And yeah, again, then I'm going to wrap this up because this has become the Brad GM hour. Um, <laughs> I grew up under this belief that I had um, attention span issues that I might have had yeah. ADD. Yeah. Um, they tried medication, didn't work yeah. for me. And I remember one of the most learned men I have ever met talk with me about this Mm -hmm. and say to me yeah it's not an attention span issue you're just bored yeah that was your dad yep and that resonated with me and and then i finally embraced the fact that okay it's not it's not a it's it's kind of like um I remember Bruce Banner when he says, you know, it's not the problem, it's the cure. And when he hmm. talks about becoming Professor Hulk. Yeah. So why am I trying to fight that when I can do it? That's and so right. having all those books, so now it's Brad's psychological hour. Um, I love that's awesome reading all of this material. The only problem is is that you need to stop reading fiction because the problem is says you pick that up. I'm like, damn it, he's ahead of me on fiction now. I need to add this to my list. And so I have um, Travis Baltry's fiction book, which I'm reading. Yeah. Ben's book, which is on the docket, which we've talked about. Which is a thick thick book in its own right. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, Brad, because the the Homeland, the Dritz novel, that's that's a longer one. Like I can tell. I mean, I'm a quick reader, but I can tell I'm going to be with that one for a while. Well, and I, you know, I was thinking about this and now that I'm, then I'm going to turn this back over to you. Um, Cause again, but I was thinking about this because you mentioned this to me before we started recording our, um, our own world that I had been playing us in our Epic. I had just nicknamed out of the blue, the homeland. Homeland, yes. which was the world and you're like well that, that's like, well, hmm. Good. Hmm. very original <laughs> and i'm like right. no no no. it really had i forgot that that's that was title book yeah 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 um, now maybe because it was on the shelf or you know his series is on the shelf maybe it yeah, triggered something knows? subconsciously it was in the zeitgeist yeah but i think in a future episode just because of the direction we're going mm-hmm. i think i would love to sit down and go through 
what I built to a set, certain level and how I built it just because I think now I'm fascinated and I want the world to see my mundane and inane ramblings about I, yeah. Homeland. I, um, I really want to hear that because obviously I've not been privy to it because I'm playing in it. Well, and I think what I've done now is, is I've moved us in a direction the last time we played, which seems like we haven't played for months. So it's yeah. okay. I mean, let's, yeah. Just, yeah, I think, I think it would be good to go back and talk about, um, how I put it together. And I've been very honest and said, I've pulled from other books and other material. Okay. I'm not selling it. I'm hijacking from people. So you, you um, all, you all heard it. Uh, upcoming episode. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about my, my, my air quote plagiarized attempts at creating a world. I'm not publishing. It's not costing anything, but I am, I think mimicry is what is, what does they say? Uh, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And it's true. It's true. That's how science, art, literature, everything works. It's you heard it here. Um, Stay tuned, everybody. This is I'm 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 making a filler episode. That's a filler episode when we don't have. No, that's not um, a filler episode. And we're going to record it soon. This is something I really want to hear. And this is this would be a fun little diversion because it'll help scratch our itch of uh, world building and not having had time to play. I'm that's what I thought. Uh, I'm I'm putting it on the calendar as soon as we finish this episode. So yeah. I put it on our list and I thought, you know what? We have so much that we want to play. We have so much that we want to read. Damn you podcast. And um there's no harm in me going through some of this because I had such a you know it. I had mm-hmm. such a good time building this. Um you know I would love to, in all honesty, selfishly, I would love to put it out there and then have people, you know, all six of our listeners comment on it. So, so. I, I have a strong feeling. I'm going to go back to sci-fi. I can't, I can't help it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sorry. Uh, I feel through the force that this episode might happen as soon as next week. We'll, we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll see everybody. All yeah. right. Um, on that note, while I've obligated Brad, and it'll be the first time that I get the chance to interview you. Oh, God, I didn't even think of it like that. And but. we're just going to spend our our hour together talking about it. And I will I will think I, this is happening. You heard it here. Everybody stay tuned next week, probably. Uh, we're going to dive into Brad's homeland home home world what do we call it homeland we called it homeland, homeland. Yeah, yeah 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 so i should again it's been months since we've had a chance to play um the, every once in a while we just need to talk play we just need to talk about being in a campaign being in an adventure uh because that's what drove us here in the first place we live we live in these worlds in fiction in the books that we're reading thanks to, to all the folks that we've interviewed even you know outside of even travis and everything like that um did you just put it on the calendar in the note i may be <laughs> typing it right now literally we use uh we use an apple we use apple notes amongst yeah. for uh, between each other to do our scheduling and our notes and everything like that and if you didn't hear it as i'm talking here i hear ding because someone changed the schedule oh um, no i haven't done anything yet that was oh, <laughs> okay great um, oh, the point being, meeting. yeah, you know, <laughs> um, I I think you know this idea of world building yeah. has been such a, a fast. I spent way too much time 
doing this. And I already, Jason doesn't know this either. I'll wait till next week. I'll tease it next. This no, is no, not no. the only, what? I'll just tease it and say, this is not the only one I've built. Um, Go on. And we'll leave that for next week. So, All right. Yet another frustrating discussion with Brad. You you know the deal, everyone. Again, we just talked about thirty years. You've had thirty years of frustrating discussion. Yeah, it's I have it's on me. I have no one to blame but myself. All right, everyone, be well, stay well. We will see you next week for a very special episode of Blossom uh, Dyson Mind when we when we we interview Brad about Homeland and and we just spend our episode with all of you in an RPG world and campaign. See you then.